Well, hey, I hope that, uh, you know, one of the things that you, that you heard out of what, what Drew shared was there's, there's just times in life where you really have to depend on God, you know? There's times in life where you just have, you just have to pray, God, I need you to show up. I thought I had this. I thought I was ready, but I just need you to show up. And God, if I don't have you, I'm sunk. If you don't show up, if you don't act, I can't do it. I can't move forward without you. Listen, those times of, uh, of dependence and desperation, those can be scary, can't they? But those can also be some of, the, some of the best times in your life as far as you growing as a believer. And here's the cool thing. The more you depend on God, the more you walk through those times, they, they don't get any less scary. But the more you walk through them, the more you begin to want to do it more and more and more. You know, instead of being occasional, they become every day. Instead of being the major situations or the mission trip moments, they become your day in and day out life of, God, I want to depend on you for everything. You begin to continually depend on him. So how do we get there? What do we do? Well, the way we get to the place of depending on God, we've been talking about that. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, is we start with remaining closely connected with Christ. It starts with A, ends with biting. It means we are abiding. Good job, all right, making sure you're paying attention. So we, we are abiding in Christ. We remain in him. And then we get to this place where, where we are yielded to him, where we say, not my will, but yours be done. And there's a lot of times where we got to keep coming back to this place because I want my way and you want your way, but we got to keep coming back and saying, not my way, but your way, God. That's what it means to be yielded. When we, when we abide in Christ, when we remain in him, it gets us to the place where we want his will, not ours. And then we get to this place that we're going to talk about today, which is depending, depending on God, depending on him through prayer, depending on his Holy Spirit to move and to act. And so to, to get to that point, um, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, we, we, when, when you go through that, you know, you, you get to this place of, of, of praying and saying, God, I need you to move and to act. And you, and you begin to get to this place of saying, God, I've seen you act in the past. I've seen you do this before. I know you are faithful, and so I believe you're going to be faithful today. I believe you're going to do it again. And you know what, God? I'm, I'm depending on you so much that I already have faith that you're going to do it down the road. You're going to do it in the future. And that's where we get to this place of depending on him. And let me just, uh, let me just give you a little encouragement. Us getting to that place, uh, the same thing that we struggle with and getting to that place was the same thing Jesus' disciples struggled with to get to that place also. And uh, we're going to take a look at that today. We're also going to see that when they got it, and what we have seen in Acts is when they got it, when they depended on God through prayer, and when they depended on the Holy Spirit, they saw God show up and do amazing, awesome, incredible things that nobody could have imagined, all right? So open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Don't panic. We're not starting over, okay? Uh, next week, we're going to be back in chapter 21. Next week, we're going to, uh, my hope is that we get through the book of Acts before the Christmas season. Um, and so next week, we'll be back in chapter 21, finishing up the book of Acts. But for today, I want to look at the very beginning of Acts chapter 21, where Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and he's giving them some instructions before he hands ministry off to them. And I want us to look at this passage in light of what it means to truly depend on God, all right? And I'm gonna read the passage in a minute, but here, if you're taking notes, if it helps you to follow along, I encourage you to do that, by the way. Whether you follow along in your outline or you pull it up on the Bible app or you just take notes uh, yourself, point number one is this, becoming fully dependent on God takes time. Becoming fully 
dependent on God day in and day out in the big things and the little things takes time. Getting to that place in your walk where you're depending on God, it takes time. You know, believing in God, placing your faith in Jesus to save you, that, that can happen in a moment. That happens in the moment where you say, I surrender, I give up. You know, where you do like David did, you, where you do like Tammy did, like so many others have done. That can happen in just a, in just a snap where you place your, your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins. But getting to the place where you are depending on God, that takes time. And what we're going to see here in this text is that even Jesus' disciples, even his closest followers, it took time for them to get to the place of fully depending on God. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 to start off. It says, once when he was eating with them, Jesus, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father, until the Heavenly Father, God, sends you the gift of the, uh, he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, when the disciples were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So, at this time, what's going on in the disciples' minds is they're still thinking about Jesus restoring the kingdom of Israel. For hundreds of years, ever since they've come back from the exile, Israel used to be this great nation, this mighty nation that God displayed his power through. And then they rebelled and they disobeyed God for a long time. And finally God said, enough. And he sent them into exile in Assyria and Babylon. But then he rescued them. He brought them back. But all during that time, they've been waiting for a Messiah. They've been waiting for the deliverer. They've been waiting for the one that would one day restore Israel. That's what they were thinking was was going to happen. And so now Jesus has died on the cross. He's been resurrected. It's been about 40 days uh, of him appearing to his disciples and giving them proof that he is alive. And he's given them these last instructions. And their brains are still thinking, now are we going to become a major world power again? Like, now do we all get jackets? And who gets to be the, the leader and the captain and this and that? They still, these guys have been with Jesus for three years and they still had their own ideas about how things were going to be. They still needed time to catch on to what he was saying. Guys, you know, one of the encouragements I received from a few people, uh, you know, coming back from sabbatical was to come back from sabbatical and to be excited to share with you what God has laid on my heart, but also to be aware that it's going to take time for people to warm up to some of the stuff I'm setting before them, you know. It's kind of like Sonoran dogs. How many of y'all have had a Sonoran dog? I won't even ask you to raise your hand because I know you, you like Sonoran dogs. If you've, I've never met anybody who has Sonoran dogs like, oh, I hate Sonoran dogs. You know, they're great. You know, they're bacon wrapped and they're, oh, they're just great. Now, have you ever tried to explain a Sonoran dog to somebody? You know, you, you tell them about it, and, and the, the bacon-wrapped part, they're okay with. Like, who doesn't like bacon, you know? It's kind of weird. You take the hot dog, the pig, and then you wrap it in a pig. Anyways, but, you know, it's, it, the bacon part, they dig. But when you start saying, then you put beans on it and tomatoes, and onions, and three different types of sauce. They're kind of like, wait a minute, I'm not so sure. But if you can ever get them to try a Sonoran dog, they'll be down at El Guero Canelo every week, right? The same thing, here's where I'm trying to go with this, guys. I'm really excited about prayer. If you can't tell, <laughs> I'm really excited about prayer. And I'm really excited about us getting to the place where we fully depend on God through prayer. And we depend on his Holy Spirit to move. And we, and we trust him. But I have to remember that a few months ago, I wasn't at this place. 
A few months ago, you know, I, I've, I had to spend time to, to, to learn what does it mean to really depend on God through prayer. A few months ago, I was still making plans the way I always have. What sounds good to me? What do I see other churches doing? What does everybody else want to do? What does my gut tell me? It took time for God to work on my heart and get me to the place where I'm learning more and more to depend on him. And let me be clear, I'm, I'm still learning that. I'm not there yet, you know? Some of y'all are way ahead of me. You're like, well, Pastor, we're glad you're finally getting there. You know, welcome to the party. We've all got t-shirts already, you know? Uh, and so some of y'all are already there. Praise God, we need that. Some of y'all want to get there. You want to get to that place. You're just not sure. Okay, how do I get to that place of trusting God and depending on him through prayer? Others, you're like, this is my first Sunday that you've been back, and I don't even know where you're going with all this. That's okay. We're going to be talking about it for a while. It's going to be a part of things. So just hang in there. So it's okay if some things that we talk about and some things that God's laid on my heart, if, if I'm setting those before you and you, it takes time to warm up to it, that's okay. My hope, though, is that you'll let God work on you like, like he's worked on me and like he's worked on so many others. My hope is that we'll all get to the place where we all want to fully depend on God. And we'll all show grace to one another knowing that it takes time. Amen? That kind of leads into the, the next thing. Number two, the second major point in the outline is this. The most difficult part of depending on God is learning to prayerfully wait on him. The most difficult part of, 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 of getting this place of depending on God is just learning to prayerfully wait on him. You know, we pray about something and we're like, all right, you done yet, God? No, okay, well, how about now? You know, I mean, we, we, we just want it right now. We want answers right now. We want action right now. Listen again to verse 4 and 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So Jesus tells his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't depart. But what? Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus tells his disciples to do the hardest thing that any person has to do. Wait. Jesus says, wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't move forward. If you'll just wait, that's when you're going to get your instructions. If you'll just wait, that's when you're going to hear what the plan is. If you'll just wait, that's when you're going to get the power to accomplish the plan. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to, to telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what's really cool is that the disciples seem to get it. Because a little bit later down, a little bit later on, a little bit further down in the chapter, that's what we see them doing. They stop asking, when are we going to be put in charge? And when is everything going to be back like it was? And instead, we see them, they go back to Jerusalem, like he said, and they wait. And while they wait, guess what they do? They pray. Acts 1, 12 to 14, it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. So they're just right outside Jerusalem, distance of about half a mile. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room of the house where they were staying. And here are the names of those present, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, uh, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all met together and were constantly united in what? In what? Constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. Jesus said to just wait, and that's what they did. 
over the summer, Bridget and I began looking at, um, looking at houses, you know, with the idea of possibly moving uh, closer into town. It's been my desire for a long time uh, to move closer to the church. I know half of y'all don't live anywhere near the church, but it's been my desire, if I'm going to pastor in this area, to, to be a pastor in this area and to be closer to the church so we could have people come over to our house a little bit more often, have Bible studies at our house or fellowship meals or just whatever. And so we just started looking around. Where's, where's Brent? I don't see Brent. He's, oh, he's working security. So don't worry, Brent. When, when we get ready, ready, we'll, we'll give you a call. Brent's a realtor, and he was in my discipleship group. So if I don't call him, he'll kill me. Anyways, but we were just looking, like just starting the process of just kicking around the idea of maybe thinking about it. You tracking with me, you know? And we looked at some new neighborhoods, and we looked at some existing neighborhoods, and then we realized there's no way we can afford anything because, you know, you might get this much for your house, but the next house costs that much, and it's just like, you know what? I kind of like my house like it is. But, but, but we got home, and, and, and I said, you know what? Before we go any further down this process, we need to pray about this. And Bridget's like, hey, preacher, boy, I've been praying. You know, I've been praying for a long time, you know. But, but honestly, I, I just wrote down two things in my prayer journal. Lord, do you want us to move? Lord, do you, do you want us to move? And if you do, where do you want us to move? Now, we started praying that together. Again, Bridget's been praying that for a while. Um, but we started praying that together. And that was back in, I think, June. And God still hasn't said anything. You know, and the way I pray is I just get the word and I read through it and, and I'm not looking for a specific passage to confirm or deny. I'm just reading and asking God to speak and I still haven't heard anything. My point, my point is this, is, is as much as I want to, to, to do what I want to do, as, as much as I want to make my wife happy, as much as maybe the market's in a good place or whatever, I have to practice what I'm telling y'all to do. I have to practice what I preach and I have to say, God, we literally won't move without you. We literally won't take a step without you. And maybe the market's going to get worse, and this would have been a great time, or maybe it's going to get better. But none of that matters. All that matters is what God wants. All that matters is how he leads and directs. Now, that's a minor thing. I mean, seriously, moving from one house to the next, that's, that's, that's a minor Thing. There are much, much bigger things that we deal with, much bigger things that maybe you're dealing with. And maybe, maybe the thing that you're dealing with, maybe like a lot of people, you do what most people do and you start trying to figure out, okay, what, what's my next step? And you start weighing all the pros and cons. You start looking at, at all the ups and downs and, you know, the ins and outs of it. You start looking at all the angles, trying to figure out the next best step, you know. What does common sense say? What makes the best financial sense? What does my gut tell me? And then maybe somewhere in that process, usually near the end of the process, you say, oh yeah, I better ask God what he thinks. I better pray about this and, and involve God in this. Can I just suggest something? Can I just suggest that we start with prayer? Can I just suggest that, that yes, do your homework. Yes, get all the facts. Yes, be well informed. But instead of coming to this place of decision and then including God in the process, let's start with prayer. Let's start by depending on God through prayer. Let's prayerfully wait for God to answer. And then let's keep on praying. Let's prayerfully wait for him to God. Let's truly be a people who not only sing it, but live it, that we won't move without you, Lord. As much as we want to do something, as much as I want to do something, as much as you want, Lord, what do you want? 
And really to get to that place, the key to dependence, number three is this, the key to dependence is desperation. The key to dependence is desperation. I want to jump ahead to Acts chapter 2. And and let me just say this. It will be very difficult for us to be people who are dependent on God unless we become desperate for God to act. Let me say that again so that you don't miss it. It will be very difficult for us to be people who, who truly are dependent on God if we're not desperate for God to act and to move, and to answer, and to lead, and to guide, and provide, and defend, and protect, and give victory, and to save, and to all the other things that God says he does. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit shows up. It says on the, on the, the verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or, or, flames or tongues of fire uh, appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the first. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit coming down, just like Jesus said. In Acts chapter 2, right here, we see the story of the Holy Spirit showing up. And it says it happened on the day of Pentecost. This is what Jesus promised. This is what the disciples had been praying for back in, back in verse 14 of chapter 1. I want you to see something. Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. It was a Jewish festival. I think it happened like 50 days after Passover or 50 days after the Sunday after Passover, okay? Penta meaning five cost meaning expensive. I don't know. But it was 50 days after uh, Passover, okay? In Acts chapter 1, the first few verses, we didn't read them, verses 1 through, three, 1 through 3, Luke tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of how many days? 40 days. Okay, 40 minus 50 is what? 10. What do you think the disciples were doing during those 10 days between when Jesus said, wait here until the Holy Spirit, and then Pentecost, you know, what do you think they were doing? They were waiting and they were praying. Did we all say praying? I said it really loud. What did you say? Desperate. Yes. You jumped ahead. That's good. All right. Cool. They were praying. And I, I really believe, did you look at my notes? Because he printed them off for me. I bet you looked at my, to be honest, we're in church. All right. And so I really believe, like you can lie outside of church. It's okay. Anyways, I really believe they were praying in desperation. Here, here, here's, here's why I think this. You know, maybe not at first. Maybe not at first, but I think eventually. I mean, think about this. Jesus says, wait and pray. And so they go to the upper room and they wait and pray. And maybe like days one through three, they're like, okay, nothing to worry about. You know, this is just like when he died and was in the tomb. We did three days without him. No problem. We got this. You know, he's... He's coming back. He said a few days. A few could be three or four, so he's coming back. Then you get to day four and five, and it's like, all right, all right. He said a few. It, it might, be, might be more, but, you know, maybe four or five. We're good. Any day now, Jesus is coming back. Day six through eight, all right, God, that's enough playing around. Come on, show up. You said, you said it's, been, it's been like a week now. You said you were sending the Holy Spirit. Day nine and ten, God, we need you! Where are you? We can't do this without you. You, you said we're going to go into all the world. Most of us dudes have never left Judea and Galilee. 
I believe the disciples got desperate in their prayers. I believe God waited until they got desperate to answer to send his Holy Spirit. Vance Pittman, I got to hear him this week. I was in Atlanta for some training for a couple of days. I got to hear him this week, and he says, we pray not because we are that spiritual. We pray because we are that desperate. We pray not because we're so spiritually whatever. We pray because, God, we need you. We can't do it without you. We depend on God because we're lost. We are lost without his help. One of the things I got to do uh, on sabbatical was, was do a little bit of hiking when we went to uh, Colorado. You can't hike in Arizona right now unless you get up at like 4 in the morning and hike till 4.15. But, um, but in Colorado, it's nice weather. And so I was out, and we went there last year to uh, Estes Park, Colorado. We went there this year to visit with Maddie. And, uh, you know, one of the things I did, I wanted to do the, 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 the lap, the loop around the um, YMCA. Um, and so I was on it, and uh, I remembered there was this part of the trail where I could get off the trail and take like this little side loop, and it was really nice, and it was very peaceful, and last year I saw an elk. It scared me because I didn't know he was there, and I walked up on him. He's like, hey, and I was like, whoa, you know, and you're not supposed to, but I, anyway, so, um, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool, you know, maybe he's there again, and it, and it wasn't because I missed the trail. I was coming from a different way, and so I missed the turnoff, and I realized real quick, I am not where I'm supposed to be, but there's a road over here, and as long as I don't cross the road, I'm still on YMCA property. But I had this little baby with me. This was my Christmas present with, you know, from the family and from money I saved up. It's a little GPS device. And so I had this with me, and you can see that little blue diamond or the blue triangle. That's me. That's the trail I'm supposed to be on. The red line is the trail. And I looked it up on here, and it's like, if you keep going on this trail, you're going to come up to another trail, uh, you know, that'll take you back to the campground. So I was like, all right. And so I kept going. And that's what I ran into. I don't know if you can see, but there's like a tiny little bit of a trail, but it just goes into nothing. And I was like, all right, where's the trail? I'm supposed to be on a trail. There's no trail. But I stuck with it, and I stayed on the map. I, stayed, I, just kept, I literally just kept my little blue triangle on the dotted line, and you can see the trail comes back. Here's my point. I had to trust this thing that knew a whole lot more than I knew. It knew more about my surroundings. It knew more about where I was. It knew more about where I wanted to go. And I ask you something. Are you trusting in the God of the universe to guide you, to lead you? God knows more about you. God knows more about what you're going through. And he knows more about how to get you through than you ever can imagine.